No, said the magician. They're very stupid, but there's no real harm in them. I begin to grow rather fond of the creatures. Sometimes perhaps I'm a little impatient, waiting for the day when they can be governed by wisdom instead of this rough magic. All in good time. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we're doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I am Kel. And I am Chase. And I am Merlin. Uh, And thank you for joining us. Just a reminder that today we are talking about the fifth book in the series, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. But general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up, that we will go on to tangents into other stories that we enjoy. We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today we are discussing The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Chapter 11. The Duffel Puds made happy. Kel, it's not even their name for 90% of this chapter. No, but it is their name for the rest of eternity. I guess so. This is this is the turning point in their history. Indeed. Chase, can you give us the history and the summary of the Duffel Puds? I would love to give you a brief history of Duffel Puttery. Um So Lucy, if you remember, we were following Lucy's story. She followed Aslan out into the hallway and they saw an old man with a long beard coming towards them. He bowed to Aslan and thanked him for coming to the least of his houses. Aslan asked if he grew tired of ruling such foolish subjects and the magician, Corkin, so he had said he had grown fond of them, although he looked to the day that they could be covered by wisdom rather than rough magic. Corkin asked if Aslan would show himself to the Duffers, the the people he ruled at this time. Uh, But Aslan chuckled and said, no, they weren't ready. Rather, he would be going to Care Paravel to visit Trumpkin the Dwarf as he keeps the throne for Caspian and tell him of Lucy's story. He says that he will see Lucy again soon. She asked how long he meant by soon, and he said all times are soon to him, and then he disappeared. The magician said Aslan always be like that and then invited Lucy to eat. They walked over to the kitchen and a table that magically set itself with a tablecloth, silver plates, and food. Uh, He gave her food that she was familiar with since she'd been traveling for a long time. And, uh, but he only ate bread and wine. Lucy asked if the duffers were now visible and if he could take off the spell that had uglified them. He said they were visible, but only they think they're uglified, and in fact, their appearance is kind of an improvement, although the chief duffer is conceited, and all the rest listen to every word he says, so if he thinks they're uglified, they all think they're uglified. Corkin explained that the duffers were refusing to do their work, which is to tend the garden and to raise food, not even for the magician, for themselves. All he told them to do was to get water from the beautiful the beautiful spring near the garden rather than carry it all the way up the hill the way they'd been doing where they always drop it halfway. That's not all. They were so dumb that they tried to wash dishes before dinner to save time, plant a boiled potato to save cooking time, and when a cat got into the dairy, 20 of them went to work moving all the dairy instead of just getting the cat out. He pointed out the window to them and Lucy looked and saw what at first looked like a bunch of mushrooms. But looking closer, she saw that they were laying in the grass, each of them on their back with a single leg straight up in the air and a large foot hanging over them like a canopy, therefore looking like mushrooms. 
there were about 50 of them, and at the stroke of 3 p.m., they all turned over and got up and began leaping around. They were monopods, one leg, uh, and so they got around by jumping like fleas or frogs. Lucy and the magician watched them and laughed at the sight. The duffers called out to one another about how they could see each other now, and how being visible means that you can see each other, because they're not smart, so they just kind of say, matter of fact, any, anyways, uh, they had beaten the magician this time. Uh, Lucy asked if they always talked about him like that. Corkin said half the time they acted like he was this all-powerful, all-seeing being to be afraid of all the time, and the other half, they acted as if he was so dumb they could pull a trick on him that even a baby would see through. Uh, Lucy said she hoped they didn't have to be turned back to their normal shapes after all because she liked how funny they are, and the magician agreed because before they were only common little dwarfs, but not good dwarfs like Narnian dwarfs, just like other dwarfs. Uh, she went back outside without the magician and told her friends that the magician is a brick, which means great. Uh, and she'd also seen Aslan, but he left. The Duffers shouted out for her that she beat the magician, and they only wished she could have seen them in their glory when they weren't so ugly. But then she said that she thought they looked nice, and immediately they all began saying how handsome they are. Uh, they didn't even seem to notice that they'd changed their minds. The chief Duffel. Uh, Duffer said, no, we're actually ugly. And then she said, yes, we're actually good. And then they all just kind of agreed with both of them the whole time. It was a whole ordeal. Um, but anyways, the crew went all back down to the Dawn Treader. And they, when they got to the water, Reepicheep had the thought to tell them that they could turn into boats. Don't know how better way to say that. It's a very random plot point, but it's a chunk of this chapter. They, uh, Duffers were nervous at first, but when they got in the water, it turns out their giant feet acted as rafts and they could paddle themselves around on the water without a boat. Uh, the Duffers had races on the water for the crew and all sorts of fun. And they also really liked that the crew kept calling them monopods, but they could never really say it right because again, they're dumb. And so they eventually combined it with their old name to call themselves Duffelpuds. That evening, they ate upstairs uh, with the magician, and the house looked much less menacing to Lucy than it had before. Everyone got to eat their favorite food because magic, and then the magician used magic to create two perfect maps of their journey so far to the places they'd been. It's the first map that had ever been made of that region, and it even uh, was so detailed that if you looked down with a magnifying glass, you could see the castles they'd been to and all the rest. Uh, he kept one copy for himself and gave the other copy to Caspian, who has kept it at Paraparavel Par 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 to this day. He said he didn't know the water pass here, but several years ago, a Narnian ship with three lords arrived at his shore. The next day, Corkin magically fixed the ship from the damage of the sea serpent attack that happened a few chapters ago, if you remember that. And then they had a cheerful parting of ways with the magician and the duffel puds. The end. Mm. They lots of details magic for a chapter where not much happens. Lots of details, lots of magic, just solving things. Don't you love it? Look, sometimes you need a god in the machine, Kel. And sometimes that machine is just a magician who says, oh, let me fix that. Boop, 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 boop. And everything's fixed. Yeah, just like that. Boop, 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 boop. That's the sound of magic happening, Chase. Yes. When Guardian Levy. Boop, 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 boop. 
And speaking of magic, just making things appear, how about that lion who's just like chilling here? Uh, and so Lucy follows him out and then bam, here's this old man chilling in a robe. Uh, he's barefoot, as everyone knows. Usually that situation doesn't end well, to be honest. It doesn't. But, you, you know, you walk it out and find an old man barefooted in a robe in your hallway. But he's got he's got like a wizard staff, though. So and a long beard that goes down to his waist. So he's probably chill. Yeah. Chase, here's the thing. So this conversation starts. And it's like. It's just weird. So we start with this concept of like the Koryakin, who is the magician. He talks to as and he says, welcome, sir, to the least of your houses, which is a humble thing to say. Uh, you know, that's that's nice. Aslan's first thing he says to the magician is, do you grow weary of ruling such foolish subjects as I have given you here? And this is the beginning of just a roast session on these creatures. I mean, it's kind of fair based on the little things we know about them. But sure. yeah, they, they get a rough, rough go in this whole chapter. But it like, is always fun to start a conversation with, hey, man. You look kind of tired. <laughs> it's, but like this basically, well, we talked about this off pod, but this metaphor, if you extend it, is basically just Jesus making fun of the stupidity of our people. I would listen to that David Crowder song. <laughs> You're a father who roasts us. It's who you are. I don't know. Stirred to worship. Right now. Stirred to worship. Uh, Sorry for being so stupid. It's who we are. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But they just, they go on for most of this chapter, just insulting these creatures who they name Chase the Duffers, which if you know British slang. Named after Hillary. Yes, Hillary Duffer. No, that's an insult to Hillary. And we, it is. She's a delightful person. We're pro Lizzie McGuire here on this podcast. It's uh, uh, yeah. The the How I Met Your Father isn't amazing. It's basically he's delightful. How I Met Your Father should just be called Lizzie McGuire grew up. How I Met Your Father should be called Early Ots Comfort Food. Like Fair. that's what you're looking for. That's what you're gonna get. If you want a show that has a plot or any kind of depth. depth to it, it's it's not for you. Look elsewhere. Go watch This Is Us. This is not for you. <laughs> this is not us. This is not us. This is Lizzie McGuire 2.0. Uh, but Duffer Chase is just, it's a British slang word that basically means dummy, to call it politely. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is the nice way of saying it, which... Again, C.S. Lewis makes some some fun jokes in in this book. Sure. He, he doesn't hold back. It's a no. children's book, but he sneaks some in. But, like, then you got to remember, these beings, these creatures, were created by Aslan. And then he as makes fun of As a joke, basically. <laughs> and, like, then when they're, like, we'll get to this later but then they just get made fun of for the consequent, like it's just, it's rough. It's a rough chapter for these duffers. Um, But uh, the, the magician just goes, you know, it's they're They're not really like that dangerous. They're dumb for sure. But you know, 
I'm hoping that one day they can actually learn through wisdom and not just me like having to force magic upon them so that they can learn lessons. Uh, and Aslan's like, yep, maybe all in good time. Who knows? Uh, and Lucy, Lucy immediately goes, Aslan, are you going to show your, yourself to them? And he's like, Oh no way. And like cracks up. They're uh, not like, ready for that. He's like, they, they would poop their one legged pants, man. Uh, it's such a weird thing. And I mean, gotta be careful because some of this will be part of my further up and further in, but like the idea that you've got to be a certain level of advanced society for Aslan to show himself to you is a really weird, like, like comparison to make. Yeah, like that's agreed. a it's a very British imperialist way of viewing the world. <clears throat> yes, well, you know, uh, the monarch is anointed by God. Yes, and. So. Once the monarch sees it fit to take over a territory and civilize them, we have blessed you with conquest. When they are fit to learn of the savior, we've blessed you with conquest, says the the English, you know, empire slash uh, the children of Thanos. Uh, But is that the uh, line that comes up when you meet the British Empire the first time in civilization? Let this be the day that you remember that you were conquered by the British Empire. Uh, but we we keep moving forward. Aslan's basically like, nah, they ain't ready. They would be way too scared. Plus, I gotta go visit Trumpkin and uh, you know, I've gotta go fold socks, uh, and I've gotta, you know, it, it's it's tough. Uh, and Lucy's Don't like, Don't worry though, like, I'll see you later, Lucy. He says, <laughs> he says, we shall meet soon again. And then he goes, like Aslan, or like Lucy's like, Aslan, what do you call soon? And then he throws his his aviators on and he goes, all time, I call all time soon. And then he hits a guitar chord and then vanishes. It's so non-committal. Aslan <laughs> is the dad that went to get milk. <laughs> it's it's rough, Chase. It's not, it's he's just like, hey, could be tomorrow, could be in a thousand years. Who am I Rich, to say? Me. Look, it's it's dark, but is the next time Lucy meets Aslan when she dies in a violent train crash? No. So that the is, next time is a spoiler at the, alert, by the way. It's a spoiler have, for the end yeah, of this you series. Definitely, definitely should have headed that one up. Uh, but no, the, I believe the next time, spoiler alert for the end of this book, I believe is at when they make it to Aslan's country. Uh, but only Reap Cheap. Reepicheep goes over the wave, but I think Aslan is on the shore with them. Maybe. I don't remember. I guess it's either that or spoiler alert for the end of the series when she dies in a violent train crash. <laughs> don't worry, guys. Everybody dies in a violent train crash. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, you know, we made it. We made it five books without going too... I I don't think I remembered that until today. (laughs) It's that's the uh, that's the big thing. That's the plot twist at the end. Uh, Plot twist at the end is that he goes universalist. That is another big plot twist. Uh, But back to this, there's a point of this where it's like, okay, theologically, 
is this like a commentary on Jesus's return? Because he says, I will be back soon. It's been 2000 years, Chase. Like, but soon to a guy who is eternal could mean anything. Because in the grand scope of eternity, anything is soon, you know? Yeah, I think it's kind of a cheeky, like, I'll come back when I'm good and ready. <laughs> it's That's it's not a, your story, I, Lucy. It's a Aslan's timing is not your timing kind of deal is how I took it. Yeah, it, you know, and then once he vanishes, I think it is, I think you're more right than it is like the, you know, commentary on the return of Jesus, because immediately Koryakin uh, is like, ah, that's how Aslan is. And then he goes, it's not as if he were a tame lion. Is that Mr. Beaver's music? <laughs> That's he, Mr. Beaver has been waiting for a while for that. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's been a bit since we've had an Aslan was a tame lion, but here he is, not hey, a tame lion. But look. Another spoiler alert for the rest of this series. You're going to hear that phrase a lot coming. It's it's not the last time you'll hear it. Not the first time, not the last. The rest of this series is basically just like, he's not a tame lion. He's not safe. He's good. Paragraph. He's not a tame lion. He's not safe. He's good. Paragraph. It's not a tame lion. Yeah. Eustace. But, it is repeated a lot in the rest in the last couple books of the series. But, you know, it is what it is. It's a true statement. But uh so Corey King goes, Hey, did you enjoy my book? So I guess we learn it is his book, not Aslan's. Um and Lucy's like, ah, parts of it, but uh then they just don't don't address anything else. Uh and uh, then Well, Trumpkin's gonna hear about that, but no one else needs to. No one else needs to know. It's not his story, not their story. Uh, and Lucy's like, oh. That is you know, weird I was- not to go back for for too long. Aslan makes such a big point of not telling people other people's stories, but will go and tell Trumpkin about Lucy's, like, well, it's, one it's temptation story. she's a, ever had. Anyways, yeah. moving on. Well, it's his story, you know. But, yeah. Uh, Trumpkin is Lucy. Yeah, more or less. Uh, you know, the... Uh, what is it? Their their dear little friend, the Dilf. Yeah. Um, the but, yeah. Uh, and so the they, they he, she's like, hey, were you? Did you know I was there the whole time? He's like, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> and just leaves it there. Uh, I knew you come eventually, if not you, someone else. But but I was waiting. Knew someone would. I, I, and being invisible made me super sleepy. That's why I'm in this robe, you know. I knew so, so weird, Chase. So weird. What are we doing here? Um, Look, but, put on clothes. And then they just ignore it. And Luce, like, and then he's like, "Hey, you hungry?" And Lucy's like, "Ah, probably." I could like, eat. I don't. I don't know what time it is though. He's like, "Hey, all times may be soon to Aslan, but in my home, all hungry times are one o'clock. It's lunchtime, baby." Uh, a very uh, Gandalf at the beginning of Lord of the Rings way to phrase that. For sure, it's uh, it is what it is, but. He's, you know, prepares this little lunch for her and it's all food from Earth. Uh, he's like, probably haven't had time to, you probably haven't eaten much of your food lately, have you? And she's like, no, I haven't. And I don't know how he knows this, but he knows, Chase. Because he's a minor deity. He could be. We don't know who Koryakin is. 
No, that that's legitimately how I'm interpreting this is that he is the minor deity that Aslan has put over this region. Like maybe I, I mean, the, just the way that they talked and like the mutual understanding there, I think it's like a Gandalf being like, but we don't see anyone else like him in the rest of the series. Because they're invisible and that makes them sleepy, Kel. <laughs> they're all asleep and invisible. All which is, connected. It does make finding people really tough. This red you got narcoleptic all the way to care pair of hell. Dude. Hashtag drain the swamp of the care pair of hell. Uh, well, the swamp's coming in the next book. Uh, that's where Puddle Glum lives. That's true. I forgot about that. Uh, Puddle Glum, the next duffer. Just kidding. He's not a duffer. The most uh, relatable character in all of literature. The most cynical character in all of literature. Most relatable. This <laughs> is like I said what I said. Uh, but um, they they fig- they realize that you know the spell has worked. That everyone is visible. But you know they always take a nap in the middle of the day because that's what they do. Uh, and Lucy and then just engages in this discussion on like, hey, are you going to like? you know make them not ugly and he's like ah it's a delicate question because he's like only they are the they're the only ones who believe that they're ugly uh like he says they say they've been uglified but that isn't what i've called it many people might be say the changes for the better you mean the fact that you change them from dwarves to one-legged mushroom people yeah who it's says this is better? that because they decided to do carrying water to the garden the hard way that he took away one of their legs like as a as a people like as a as an entire species he's like nope you're all one-legged now yeah so what chase every water better fleas so what chase is referring to the reason that the that all of this happened more or less is because they were so they were put in the charge of Koryakin and they are, you know, doing chores and things like that, not for his benefit, but for their own there. He's basically called them to mine the garden and raise food. And Chase is going to talk about this a little bit more later uh, in his further up and further in. Um, but basically they're called to just tend to the garden and make food for themselves, get water for themselves. And Koryakin's like, Hey, as opposed to marching, a uh, half mile away up this hill to this spring uh, to get water. Why don't you just go to the stream that's right next to the garden? So that way you don't spill all the water. And they refused to do that. And they kept spilling all the water uh, and they, you know, wouldn't see the error of their ways. Uh, and then they, you know, just refused point blank. And so he just says, fine, I'm going to make you invisible and ugly. Yep. You know that classic punishment that makes complete sense and is uh, very reasonable. Yeah, to cut off your leg if you don't listen. One he time. basically he basically punishes them for just being dumb, which like it's it's a move, I guess. But like, what are what are you teaching them? Like, how is this correcting their actions to say, hey, like it, you need to learn the error of your ways? So I'm going to make you invisible and have one leg. And make carrying water even harder. Especially when the point that they take away from it is this is just cruelty. Right. Like, it kind of seems like it is. But, like, a principle in teaching, like, if you've got kids out there, 
this is one of the things that I remember from education school. Like if you, uh, if you don't communicate the why behind the like punishment or, or the encouragement, if you're trying to encourage a behavior as well, like if the like child or pet, this is good for training dogs as well. If they can't connect the reward or punishment to the actual action, then it's it doesn't matter. not an effective punishment. Correct. And they'll go on. Like Lucy basically just takes, oh, are they as stupid as all that? So he confirms they're being punished for stupidity. And he goes, you would not believe how dumb they are. Uh, like How he, dumb are they? He says, they used to wash the plates and knives before dinner, saying it saved time afterwards. How dumb are they? They used to uh, plant boiled potatoes to save time cooking them. How dumb are they? Uh, once the cat got into the milk uh, and, you know, they were all trying to move the milk out as opposed to moving the cat. Like, it just, he, he keeps going on like a, you know, yo, yo duffer so dumb, blank, you know? And so again, he's punishing them. The boiled being, potato one was, was funny. That's pretty funny. You know, I, I respect it. You know, it's going to be a little bit dirty, but whatever. Um, but yeah, he is more or less just punishing them for stupidity as opposed to just teaching them. Like, I feel like there's a better way to handle this, Corey. Yeah. I mean, look, if I were the minor deity of this island, I would court favor with the chief duffer and be like, hey, I'm going to maybe invite you to dinner once a week or once a month to help you understand so that you can teach the people around you, which I understand is a light monarchy, but also if they literally don't listen as a group, it might be helpful to convince the one person that they do listen to to maybe change his mind a little bit because he's not that smart either. Nope, he is not. But Chase, it's now time for us to meet the Duffers. Meet the Duffers? Is that like meet the parrots? More or less. So basically, Coriakin, uh, he says, all right, here they are. And Lucy goes, I don't see anything. I just see like giant mushrooms. So what she is indeed seeing are not mushrooms because uh, once the clock strikes three, the universal sign for the Duffers to awake, uh, they rise from their naps. And the mushrooms turn out to be the duffers sleeping upside down with their feet straight up in the air. They are, in essence, a leg. Imagine the leg lamp from A Christmas Story. Yes. Uh, and it is but that. foot was 10 times the size. With a foot that is a giant foot that is ambidextrous. Uh, so it's not a right foot or a left foot. It's just a foot. So don't ask where the big toe is. Um, I think we already had that discussion anyway. We did. We did. And now it's just been confirmed. Uh, and the foot is basically like a, like a small canoe. Uh, and then they have like arms that stick out from the body that is their leg. And then they have a head at the top of their leg body. That's the mushroom or that is the, the monopods, the duffers. Uh, and the <laughs> Lucy is, just cracking up. And she's like, did you make them like that? 
which she obviously knows that he did. And he is cracking up going, oh my gosh, I definitely did. But watch this. It gets even better. And they start moving by jumping up and down like fleas on their one leg, but they can jump super high. And he's like, this is hilarious. Look how stupid they look. Now they look as stupid as they are. Just, just cruel. It's just mean. Uh, It's funny, funny, but it's so mean. And like, then he goes, like you hear the conversation between the duffers where they're like, Hey, we're visible again. And then the chief, uh, monopod, the chief duffer goes visible. We are. And what I say is when chaps are visible, they can see one another. And they're like, that's a great point, Cal. They're like, wow, right you are, man. No one's got a clearer head than you. You couldn't have made that plainer. Like, again, love the encouragement from these guys. Love the affirmation. Uh, it's a bummer because they are such great hype men. But great they hype men. They are really dumb. But like, they, they are they very are. dumb. I, I wish their defining characteristic wasn't stupidity, but it is. Uh, and it just, that is what it is. But they talk about how, like, you know, Lucy must have, you know, beaten the old man. He, you know, she tricked him and now they're, now everything's good. Uh, and Lucy's like, did they dare talk to you, talk about you like this? Like yesterday they were terrified. Don't they know that you're listening or that you could be? And Corey Ken basically goes, yeah, that's one of the funny things about them. One minute they, uh, they're talking about everything I do is dangerous and extreme and cruel. And the next moment they think I'm stupid and they can trick me like a baby, but bless them. He goes, he turns into a Southern woman and says, yeah. bless, bless their heart. Yeah. Bless their hearts. You know, it's, uh, I just love how Lucy goes from there and be like, man, I really hope that you don't have to change them back. Yeah. They, they like, don't have to give them two legs again. That we find, it's funny. We find out me. that previously they were dwarves. Like these creatures were just dumb dwarves. Not like the ones in Narnia who are nice, which like, as we've been told in the previous four books, dwarves have a very spotty reputation in Narnia. Yeah. And like, so it's like, all right, whatever. But he goes, yeah, these aren't like your dwarves, but they're, they're like dwarves. And I just changed them into these stupid looking mushroom creatures. And Lucy goes, oh man, you shouldn't change them back. Cause they're hilarious. I think they're funny. It's and that really is the reason. It's not. It's good for them. It's not like actually, like this has helped their quality of life. Like no, no, they look funny to me. So and then, ha ha. And then ha. she goes, "Do you think that if I convinced them that they looked fine, that they'd be okay with it?" Basically, she's just like, "What if I just told them that everything was fine, and then they would accept it?" And Corrigan's like, "That's a great idea." Hey, what if I just gaslit this whole society of people? These stupid mushroom people. What if I just told them they weren't so stupid when I know they are? And the only reason I want them to remain is because they're so stupid. Are you Mario? I mean, yeah. But so she makes their way. You kind of look like Mario right now. But anyway, I do. Uh, But she makes her way to the crew. She's like, hey, guys, I'm fine. Everything's fine. The magician is a brick, which, as we discussed, again, in a previous podcast, brick is not an insult. Brick means good. Brick means dope. Uh, this, like, the cool magician guy. is rad. Uh, and she goes, and I've seen him, Aslan. You, uh, know you know it's Aslan because him is in italics. Like, in yeah. the Bible. 
But like, why she says this, and nothing happens from it. Like, no one's like yeah. Aslan. Why they was don't he ask here? a single follow up question? No follow up questions. They're like, hey, did he say anything about our journey? The whole purpose of us being here. Remember that whole voyage part of the voyage of the Dawn Treader. I know it's been several chapters since we've been voyaging, but did he say anything about it? Nope. None of that, Chase. No, nah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Not your, not your story. To not let him story. know that you're not dead yet. Edmund is very aware that, like, he's like, yo, I don't ask questions about Aslan because it's not my story. Yeah. He gets it. He does. And then Eustace really doesn't know that much about Aslan except for his one, like, mountaintop experience. So he doesn't know better to ask about it. Yeah. What else? But then they have this conversation. With the monopods, with the duffers, uh, where the chief is like, oh, man, it's a bummer. You can't see us how we like really look and it'd be you'd, we're so distinguished and beautiful. And she's like, no, I don't think that's true. Like, I think you look really nice. And the monopods are like, yeah, listen to her. She's great. Right at like right after previously, they were like, yeah, we looked we looked way better before. And now like, you couldn't find a handsomer lot. Yeah. Now you could find a handsomer lot. And then the chief is like, no. What like she's saying that we looked nice before we were ugly. She's like, and they're like, yeah, that's right, that's what she said. And Lucy's like, no, I'm saying you look good now. And like they they're just they get it's this weird back and forth where they're basically just agreeing with both sides and being like, you're saying the same thing. And she's like, no, we are not. We are I saying just, the exact opposite thing. Yeah, I just love, hear them both, hear them both, said the monopods. There's a pair for you, always right, couldn't have put it better. <laughs> it's so stupid and so encouraging. Uh, <laughs> I love just, them. I need this friend. I would like this friend around. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, everyone needs a duffer as long as you also have someone who is actually smart. Yeah, I mean, it is the plot of a lot of, like, sitcom relationships and movie relationships you which gotta have I, the smart friend and the dumb happy friend and which is uh what i will be diving into and further up and further in ah look at that transitions chase uh but uh she's like wow y'all are enough to make anyone go mad uh and i'm pretty sure you know inside her mind she's like i'm glad that the magician turned you into dumb idiots uh or like into you know stupid mushroom people because you deserve this she doesn't say that but i think she thinks it um and <laughs> eustace comes in with a great line where he's like i wish that the magician would have made them inaudible as opposed to invisible hilarious and way more effective i think it's a solid line but then the monopods are like what does inaudible mean and then he has to spend the entire walk back to the boat explaining what an audible means. And, and then they make here. And then they go, ah, you just don't get words like the chief does, man. One day you'll learn. <laughs> Which is a really funny line. Like, it's a really funny moment. How would but, the chief put that? Would that be, you know, when your ears don't work, you can't hear nothing. Mm, preach. Amen. Amen to that. Uh, and then, Chase, we just get this really weird section that, like... Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, and I don't think it applies to anything. It makes no sense. We're basically Reepicheep, who has never displayed a desire to, like, rouse people or to, like, make 
fun of people or to, I don't know what his goal is here. Maybe he's just having fun. I think he thinks it's a legitimately good idea. But like a good idea for what? Like (laughs) who can say? So what happens is he goes, Hey, I'm still trying to understand like physics here, but he's basically like, Hey, if you jump in the water, your feet will float and your leg will just like you use your, you know, pull your leg body up and you can just swim like you're on, like you're, you have a flotation device as your foot. How does and they, he know that they're not dense enough to sink? <laughs> right. Because what is going every, on? Because every foot chase is made up of bones, muscle, and water, blood, you know, like those things generally don't float. Yeah. Fat is what floats. <laughs> and there's no fat on a foot. Generally, you have a fat foot. You've got a sick foot. (laughs) (laughs) A sick foot, man. You got a real duffer foot. But should probably get that looked at. You get checked. Get that checked out. Duffer foot spreads, dude. Duffer foot. uh, That's wearing sandals in the locker room. If you've got duffer foot, yeah, it's. uh, I think you got to take like a like a pill for that, or put a paste on it, or something. At a minimum, Uh, it's like a spray. Yeah, you know, do something. Maybe go to your dermatologist, but. He just like, hey, jump in the water. And they're like, this is hilarious. Let's race. And they just start having like swim races for no reason. And they like, I, there's no point. And they're handing out prizes and everyone's cheering them on and laughing at them because they think it's funny looking. Which is the bummer part of it. Because essentially they just invented paddle boarding, but they are the paddle board. But like, they're, it's not like they're standing. They're not upright. I think. How would they paddle? They have, they make makeshift paddles. And <laughs> do they? I, that's that... what I think it says. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, yeah, they cut rude paddles for themselves. Okay. I mean, it's super weird. I just don't. Why is Reepicheep teaching them how to cut rude paddles for themselves? Why is Reepicheep taking charge here? Why is he doing this? I don't know, but whatever. But they liked being called, like, we skipped past this, and they liked being called monopods, which is funny, but they couldn't actually pronounce it because, again, they're very stupid. Uh, and so they keep mistaking it between monopods and duffers, and they go from money puds to pomonods to potimons, uh, and eventually to what they would be known for centuries, duffel puds. So the name of this chapter referring to the duffel puds as duffel puds comes from one word, literally one word at the very end of the chapter of that's what their new name is. It's arguably a worse name. It is a far worse name. Less directly mean, but less directly mean, but now you're getting into like strawberry or or, uh, you're getting into what's his name? Uh, Fledge, the horse territory. You're getting into, uh, to is it better or worse than Fledge? Duffel Pud's pretty bad. Duffel Pud, Duffel Pud is pretty. It's it's too clunky. It's, it's got too it's, many syllables. I mean, we will get a puddle glum soon, but for whatever reason, puddle, puddle glum, glum seems to fit. It fits. Puddle glum works. But Duffel Pud, you kind of trip over. Duffel Pud is just weird. It sounds like a it sounds like a Pokemon that would get wrecked in battle. Yeah, Duffel Pud is like. A starting out water Pokemon that doesn't have any evolution and only like, like can do water gun. 
See, I was thinking Dufflepud is like Jigglypuff who can't sing and doesn't have Screech. <laughs> doesn't even have Screech, dude. It's it's kind of just it's like it's like Caterpie, you know, where it just like kind of walks around as a caterpillar. It just Maybe. doesn't really do anything. It's uh or what's the evolution of Caterpie where it's just it can only harden? It's metapod? Yeah, Dufflepud is a metapod. But then just Caterpie, Caterpie becomes butterfree, right? Eventually. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. But I don't think they ever evolve. No, not great. But yeah, the magician is just waiting for the day that they evolve and become wise. Yes. Eventually they will become butterfrees, but right now they're just Caterpies. Uh, but Pokemon aside, uh, after the naming convention is dealt with, the uh, magician decides, hey, I'm going to treat y'all to some dinner and some Deus Ex Magica. Uh, because what like, what he does is he hears the story from uh, from Drinian and from the rest of the crew. He's like, hey, where have you been? And simply by communicating and knowing where they've been, he creates this perfect map with magic. It creates two versions of it, one for himself and one for uh, the Narnians that spans the entire ocean that they have discovered so far nothing that they haven't uh and it's everything is in the right position everything is in the right spots and it's just like hey here's this perfect map so that you can sail back home one day uh and that you can keep this and have all this territory uh you know good and uh ready to go and they're like wow that's awesome thanks for that and then he repairs their boat and then he you know tells them hey actually there was three Narnians that came on a ship. Uh, you know, they were lords, uh, Revillian, Argaz, and Mavramorn, and wait, and Roop. Uh, yeah, so I guess there was four. Roop, there it is. Uh, and, you know, they, which, you know, led them to believe that the person that they had seen lying in death water must be Lord Restamar. Names that mean a lot to us. Of course. Now, does that mean that we have all of the lords accounted for? I believe so, because there was seven, right? Seven. So that's five from the last couple chapters. It's there four, was the one on the. Uh, there's the four unknowns that we have now, uh, where it's it's people who have sailed past. We have Restavar, who was the yeah. one who was in the Death Water. Gold Water. And then we and have the there dragon. Oh, Dragon Lord, and then there's a Lord who is now Governor. Correct. Not even Governor because they don't have elections anymore. Right, um, Dictator. Yeah, the new Dictator of whatever. But he's a benign Dictator. The, so. the Lone Island Dictator. The Lonely Island. Uh, Andy Sandberg is the Dictator. Akon, Lords of Narnia. And so um, that's a new EP dropping soon. Uh, but. But yeah, all of them have at least been named now. We don't know where the other four are, but man, we better learn quick because I'm pretty sure there's only a few chapters left in this book, like five or something like that. I don't know. I don't count. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to find at least three of them, but we'll see. We'll see. Chapters from that. I, I just skimmed through the chapter titles for the rest of the book, and one of them is called The Three Sleepers. I wonder who that could be. Could be anyone. There's three sleepers and the one unknown. One question mark. But Chase, that's the end. Uh, because after that, they're you know gonna go back to the sea and actually voyage again. 
which is cool. Uh, but Chase, would you like to dive further up and further in for us? I would love to jump off this boat. Uh, yeah. So for my further up and further in, uh, I just wanted to kind of pull some of the threads for the broader allegory that C.S. Lewis is doing here of the devil puds, the duffers, the monopods, whatever you want to call them, as a comparison to people. And this being kind of a mini Eden allegory, a mini uh, allegory for us as Christians walking in life. Because uh, C.S. Lewis likes to create little parallel storylines of creatures and places that simulate the Christian story to show things about it and make a point, right? That's what allegory is. And that's why he does the same sorts of things in like his space trilogy, where he has parallel societies on Mars that also have a fallen sin problem or on uh, Venus that is essentially a new Eden narrative. And those places also have false stories and have a need for a salvation story. And so th this is kind of the game that C.S. Lewis likes to play with his fiction. And these, uh, these duffers are essentially put in a garden where their only job is to tend the garden and grow food. They're given everything they want, but they always rather find ways to grumble, mess it up, look to do it their own way rather than the way of the more wise master. Uh, they just view their ruler as either cruel or stupid when he's just trying to lovingly guide them. And, and all these threads, uh, as, as much as we have made fun of and pointed out the stupidity of the duffers, uh, really are there to be like, hey, ha, ha, ha. You know how you're kind of like that sometimes? And yeah, you're right. Like there are ways that like in the Christian story and in the way that Christians are called to live, like we believe that God's way is the right way and the way he's commanded in scripture is the right way. But a lot of times we would rather just do it our way. Or we believe that like, God is telling us to do things just because he wants to keep us from having fun, even though he's just trying to give us wisdom and guide us. Or we think we can pull one over on him and, and trick him, even though he is like literally all seeing and all knowing. Um, so all, all these little through lines of things that are like, oh yeah, the duffers, they're so dumb, are also supposed to be like heightened versions of places for us to reflect on the ways that we walk in the world and choose folly rather than wisdom. Indeed. My, uh, my further up and further in is about the trope of the, I'm going to call it the, the foolish foil. Uh, you won't see this necessarily in a Wikipedia article, but what I mean by this is it's the character or characters who exist in fiction whose purpose is to be stupid and to help grow other people. They themselves probably don't have much of an arc. They probably don't have much growth or, uh, you know, reason for, you know, being in the plot other than to help get other characters where they need to go. Uh, and for the for us, it's the Duffers, right? The Duffers exist basically to get Lucy to a point of temptation where she can grow past it uh, and to introduce another character and introduce, you know, an, an opportunity to see Aslan. Did the Duffers grow? No. Their defining characteristic is foolishness. They would be the equivalent of the, the Timon and Pumbaa, 
the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. If you're, you know, if you're fancy and like Shakespeare, uh, dead? Uh, I've heard that they're dead. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a long time. And there's also a play about it, but the the whole existence of these characters is to be foolish. It's to be dumb. It's to be silly. It's to be comedic. It's to give the audience a little bit of a respite, to give them a little bit of comedic value and to advance the, the plot and the character of other characters. It's to advance things for anyone else. That's why they are the foolish foil, as opposed to a normal foil who exists to you know, come into conflict or to introduce something about the character that would help grow them, and they are themselves a dynamic character. The foolish foil would be someone who's strictly there to be a fool, to be a knave, and helps another person grow because they introduce some sort of obstacle through their foolishness. But Chase, I've heard that the best way to listen to a podcast is by hearing it. I mean, only if you have ears. Good words, man. Good word. Love it. I'm smart, Chase, right? Chase can you uh, use your, your intelligence and your smartness to let our listeners know how they can hear us and keep listening and also to you know use their auditory skills to, you know, partake in this podcast well you know ears are made for podcasts and podcasts are made for ears so uh if you want to listen to this podcast you can find it wherever you found it in the first place uh really wherever you get your podcasts uh and while you're there we would love it if you leave us a rating and review five stars please that helps other people Find our podcast, and as always, feel free to share it with friends. And you can find us on Instagram, at Chronicles of Podcast, where we post when we post new episodes and uh, little things throughout the week. But yeah, until then, uh, I've heard that if you jump into the water, you'll float. So you should probably go do that. And if not, we'll see you soon. Gotta throw people off the scent when you're just a villager or a liberal. Oof. <laughs> Which is what Which is what happens with Your Hitler. normal townsperson is in, in Secret Hitler. Look, it all sounds rough if you say it like if that. If you take it out of context, it's not great. That's why whenever people ask what my favorite board games are and I bring up Secret Hitler, I have to be like, it's not what it sounds like. It's it's really fun, I promise. And there's no basically no mafia. Look, if we were living in the 40s, mafia would sound bad too. It's true. We're too far removed from it. <laughs>